and give him a prophetic praise for something that hasn't even happened yet. to give him praise for what he's already completed in your life. Come on, it's hard to praise him for what hasn't been done uh, if you can't praise him for what he's already done. God's been better to some of us than we're giving him the praise. But Psalm 150 says uh, to praise him according to uh, his excellent greatness. Uh, if he's never done nothing for you, uh, you can sit there this morning uh, with your legs crossed, uh, your arms crossed, uh, and your eyes crossed. Uh, but if he ever made a way, uh, if he ever did something for you, uh, you got to praise him uh, according to uh, your praise uh, ought to reflect his greatness. Uh, your worship uh, ought to reflect what he's done for you. Uh, I wish you would praise him uh, for everything he did for you. Anybody got a testimony that God's ever done anything for you? Can I give you a simple revelation this morning? Do you know how to get him to keep on doing things for you? Give him the praise when he does it. I guess I have to give you some theology to go with that. Bible said that there were 10 lepers that made their way to Jesus. And when they came, they cried unto him. And the Bible says that he healed all 10 of them. All 10 of them experienced the same miracle. All 10 of them had the same testimony. But only one of them was willing to testify. Only one of them turned around and said, I can't just walk away after what he's done for me. 
I can't just show up in the house of God uh, nonchalant uh, after everything. Uh, no, no, no. He walked back uh, and fell on his face uh, and began to worship. And in case you're wondering, God keeps track because Jesus looked at him and said, were there not ten? Where are the nine? Where's the other nine people uh, that should be dancing in the... Where's the rest of the people I healed? Where's the rest of the people I did a miracle for? Where's the rest of the people that I had? You need to tell me that only one of you has a revelation. You ain't gonna catch me in the house of God sitting on a pew with my arms folded. You're never gonna catch me in the house of God like I did something and I maybe every time, every time, Walk in the house of God. I've got to give it. They had already received a miracle, but the revelation of giving him the praise unlocked a second dimension of the miraculous. I'm going to leave that right there. I might come make that part of our Thanksgiving service on Tuesday. I'll just leave it right there. Tell your neighbor, come on Tuesday to get the rest of the story. Anybody excited to be in the house of the Lord tonight? How about this morning since it's not tonight? Is anybody excited to be in the house of the Lord this morning? I'm already in the prophetic. I'm already giving him the praise for service tonight. You can be seated for just a moment. I want to take a brief opportunity to say what an absolute privilege and an honor it is to have all of our guests here in the house of the Lord with us today. Rock Church, would you help me put your hands together one more time? Come on, I need your help. Would you? We can do a little bit better than that. Help me make some noise for all of our guests that are here in the house of the Lord today. What a privilege and an honor it is to have you here with us and uh, if this is your very first time here in the house of the Lord you should have received a VIP invitation card when you came through the doors this is an invitation for you to join us immediately after the service in our VIP room everybody knows that VIP stands for very important person and we have a small gift prepared for you and some light refreshments just as a small token of appreciation to tell you how much it means to us that you took time out of your day to come worship with us here at the Rock Church of Fort Myers. Amen, somebody. And so if you're here for the first time and you did not receive a VIP card, if you just slip your hand up in the air, one of our staff members will run one of them to you quickly. We can't wait to see you after the service. Amen, somebody. We have a little understanding here that you're only a guest for five minutes. After that, you're just at home here at the Rock Church of Fort Myers. Amen. Would somebody turn around and tell your neighbor, welcome home this morning? Come on, tell them, welcome home, welcome home, welcome home. Amen, amen. 
want to say what an honor it is this morning to have, uh, I think it's brother and sister Stickley with us this morning, all the way from the other side of the state, and uh, we're honored to have them visiting with us this morning. Amen. Would you help me give them a great big Rock Church welcome today? Amen. And uh, then I, I want to say uh, that we have uh, some other special folks here in the building and uh, they have just recently relocated here from San Jose, California and we want to say what an honor it is to have brother and sister Zeiss here at their brand new home in Fort Myers, Florida. Would you help me give them a great big Rock Church welcome this morning? Amen. Brother and sister Zeiss and their little daughter, I think her name's Violet, and, uh, and, and then so special, uh, he's already here, although you haven't seen him yet. They have another little one on the way. Amen. A little boy on the way, and we're so happy and excited for them, and, and we're just thrilled uh, that God saw fit to let their paths lead them here and uh, we want them to feel at home and welcome. And uh, is this some family that you have with you? This is Sister Zeiss' mama. We're so honored to have her in the house of the Lord with us today. Amen, amen. How many of you came expecting God to do something great in this house? Stand with me, if you would, all across the building as we hasten uh, to the word of the Lord this morning. Um, I want to say that God's hand is upon this service this morning. Yesterday morning I woke up and you would have to be the set man of a house to really understand what I'm saying. But there are times that the Lord will literally allow me to feel and experience what is on the hearts of people in this house. And yesterday morning I woke up with an extreme sense of desperation that I could not shake. And I knew immediately that God was impressing upon me and allowing me to feel after the heart of people that would be in this room this morning. It was upon me so strong all day yesterday. The Lord directed me to this word that I'm going to attempt to preach to you this morning. And even late into the night, I could not help. I stood in the kitchen with First Lady last night, tears rolling down my face, as I could feel the heart of desperation of people in this room today. And God sent me with a word for you in this house. I want you to just be sensitive to God as I attempt to minister this morning. 
you know that we are mindful of protocol but the greatest protocol in this building is the moving of the Holy Ghost and I want you to respond as God begins to speak in this house today book of Psalms chapter 116 is where I will invite you to read the word of the Lord with me this morning the book of Psalms Chapter 116, we'll begin reading at verse number one. This is the poet David, and he writes and says, I love the Lord because he hath heard my voice and my supplication." One transliteration says, I love God because he listened to me, listened as I begged for mercy. Because he hath inclined his ear unto me, therefore will I call upon him as long as I live. The sorrows of death compassed me and the pains of hell got hold upon me and I found trouble and sorrow. Then called I upon the name of the Lord. O Lord, I beseech thee, deliver my soul. Gracious is the Lord and righteous Yea, our God is merciful. The Lord preserveth the simple. I was brought low, and he helped me. Return unto thy rest, O my soul, for the Lord hath dealt bountifully with thee, for thou hast delivered my soul from death, and mine eyes from tears, and my feet from falling I love the Lord because he hath heard my voice and for a few moments this morning I simply want to preach from this thought God is listening God is listening. Would you put your Bibles down and lift your hands one more time all over this house today. Lord, we need you in this place. We need you in this house, oh God. Incline thine ear unto your people today, oh God. We stretch our hands to reach for you. We lift our voice to call upon you. We come into this place in search of your presence today. Hear us today, oh God. We need you. We need you. In Jesus' name we pray. You may be seated this morning. Launched by NASA on September the 5th, 1977, 
to study the outer solar system, the Voyager 1 is the furthest human-made object from Earth. And as of today, the space probe is more than 14 billion 528,490,000 miles away from its home planet. It is also moving away at a speed of over 38,000 miles per hour relative to the sun. I want you to think about those numbers for a moment. Staggering. If this spacecraft had simply been circling the earth, it would have already done close to 500,000 rotations around the earth. And if this seems like a great distance, which it is when compared to this universe, it is not even a blip on the radar screen. If this spacecraft were headed towards Proxima Centauri, which is our nearest neighboring star, it would take an additional 73,000 or more years to arrive even there. Even the light that covers that distance takes more than 21 hours to travel that far. And despite that huge distance, and thanks to NASA's deep space network, we can still unbelievably communicate with it. The deep space network, otherwise known as DSN, is a worldwide network of U.S. spacecraft communication facilities located in the United States and in Spain and in Australia that support NASA's interplanetary spacecraft missions. Each complex has a huge 70-meter antenna along with multiple 34-meter antennas which can be combined to pick up signals that are thousands of times weaker than a standard FM radio signal. As far back as the early 1970s, the United States was producing satellites that could transmit messages with as little as one millionth of one watt of power. And by the early 1980s, China had developed a satellite that could transmit data with one four hundredth billionth of one watt of power. Obviously, the power needed to get the message that great distance is not to be found in the transmitter of the Voyager spacecraft, but the power that it takes for that signal to be retrieved is found in the receiver. It is found in the receivers on Earth that possess the ability to retrieve these ever so faint messages. 
using the deep space network, uh, NASA transmits uh, a 20 kilowatt radio signal from Earth, uh, and it takes more than 21 hours uh, for the signal to reach Voyager 1. The space probe sensitive antennas pick up the signal uh, and reply using a 20 watt signal. It takes another 21 plus hours to reach the earth and as the signal travels through space it weakens and so by the time it reaches earth it is barely detectable but the DSN is able to detect it. The power to reach that distance, uh, to transfer that signal, uh, is not in uh, the transmitter, uh, but the power uh, is in uh, the receiver. It is not the Voyager satellite uh, light years away from us uh, that has the ability uh, to get the signal uh, all the way to Earth, uh, but it is the power uh, that is in the receiver that is here on the earth and its ability to reach farther than the satellite can reach in order to retrieve the signal. The book of Psalm in particular, chapter 116, is believed by most theologians to have been written while David was on the run from King Saul. It is believed that not only was it during the time that he was running from Saul, but it was written from the cave called Adullam. It was written at a time when David was at his lowest moment. It was written at a time when David had hit absolute rock bottom. David was in a place of darkness. He was in a place that the Bible describes as closed in all around. He was in a place where it looked like he was out of options and he was by himself and life had made unexpected turns that left him wondering how in the world am I ever going to get out of this place? Has anybody ever been there before uh, in a place where you said, uh, I don't know how I'm going to get out of this. Uh, I don't know how I could ever uh, get out of this darkness uh, and this place uh, that looks uh, like it has uh, no way out of it. And it was there in this place that David began to write and he writes the words, I love the Lord. He wanted to write it down. He wanted to put it on paper that even in this place of destitution, I wanted to be known that I love the Lord. I may be in the worst place of my life. I might be in the lowest spot that I've ever been. I may be in the darkest time I've ever lived in, but I want you to know that I love the Lord. Is there anybody in the building 
that's ever been there before and the said I'm sitting in the dark and it seems like there's no way out but all I know is that I love the Lord and it's one thing to profess your love for somebody but it's another thing to be able to articulate why. I remember when I was dating First Lady, the first time I told her, I love you. I said it just like that with my best Barry White voice. You know what she said? Oh yeah? Tell me why. It's one thing to say I love you. It's another thing to be able to articulate why I love you. There's so many reasons. Let me count the ways, baby. And David says, I love the Lord. And he does not leave us without qualification. He doesn't say I love the Lord because he anointed me to be king. He doesn't say I love the Lord because of the great victories that he's given me as a commander of armies. He did not say that I love the Lord because he's blessed me and I have favor. But David said, I love the Lord. Why? Because he heard my cry. David said I love him because even in my darkest place he heard my voice and my supplication when I felt like my prayer couldn't even reach the ceiling of the room he still heard my cry when I felt like my prayer was insufficient God still heard me when I felt like I couldn't pray like I was supposed to pray he still heard my cry because the power is not in the transmitter but the power is in the receiver David said when I was weak when I was lonely when I was broken when I couldn't even get a prayer past an amen or a thank you Jesus what I could not accomplish God was still listening and God heard me that's why I love him Oh, I wish somebody would get a hold of that this morning. Uh, that's why I don't love him uh, because I've got a nice house to live in. Uh, I thank him for that, but that's not why I love him. Uh, I don't love him uh, because I got an arse car to drive uh, and I'm grateful for that, uh, but that's not why I love him. Uh, I don't love him uh, because I got a nice clothes, uh, a suit or a dress. Uh, I don't love him uh, because I make more money than ever. No, 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 no. I appreciate those things, but the reason that I love him is because when I pray, God is listening.
late in the midnight hour when all hell is breaking loose uh, in my dark place uh, when nobody else can understand uh, in my lowest moments uh, when I can't even tell uh, the people closest to me uh, I love the Lord uh, because uh, he heard he goes on to say because I love him because he hath inclined his ear unto me. You can't miss that this morning because you get a word picture, an anthropomorphic expression. God is a spirit. He doesn't have a body. But the word uses anthropomorphic expressions that you and I can relate to. And David said, I love him because he hath inclined his ear unto me. And what I see is these little Sunday school kids that'll come running up to me sometimes. And, and, and out of nowhere, they'll just run and tackle my leg. And, and I look down and they'll start saying something. And in their little quiet voice, I can't hear what they're saying. I don't just shove them off as an annoyance because I care about them. And I want to know what they have to say. So you know what I do? I stoop down. They're shorter than me. They can't get to my ear. But I can get to their voice. And so I stoop down. And I incline my ear. And I say, what? What did you say? David said, when I was so far down that I couldn't get to where he was, he stooped down to where I was. And when my voice couldn't reach his ears, he brought his ear down to where I was. That's why I love him. God didn't cast me away in my low place. He didn't reject me when I was at the bottom, but he inclined his ear and he heard my voice. I wonder if anybody in the building is grateful this morning that God is listening. He said, therefore, will I call upon him as long as I live. David understood God can reach further than your BFF could ever reach. Oh, I'm going to preach in just a moment. David learned that when people fall short of your expectation, God will never fall short of your expectation. When people misunderstand you, God will never misunderstand you. Oh, I wish I had a witness in the building. So he said, for the rest of my life, you want to know, can I just stop and preach for a moment? There's a reason why you don't find ultimate fulfillment in human relationships. There's a reason why people fail you and people let you down, even the closest people to you, your mom and your dad 
dad uh, and your husband and your wife uh, and your dad at some point in life honey uh, they're all going to disappoint you uh, and they're going to let you down why uh, because God wants you to know uh, that you'll never find the ultimate fulfillment of a relationship uh, in the people that are around you uh, can I just preach it like this uh, nobody uh, can do you uh, like Jesus can uh, God wants you to learn to run to him uh, instead of running to your friends uh, God wants to learn uh, how to pray to him uh, instead of jumping on the phone uh, God wants you to learn uh, how to get on your knees uh, instead of running from your situation come on somebody in the building ought to give God a praise He said, the sorrows of death compassed me. He didn't say I died. He just said, everywhere I looked around me, it felt like I was going to die. I'm preaching to somebody in the building. God knows exactly who you are. He knows exactly where you've been. And he allowed me to feel your spirit yesterday. He allowed me to feel the angst inside of you, the helplessness and the hopelessness as you look around you and it looks like everything around you is dying and withering and falling apart. He said, the sorrows of death compassed me and the pains of hell got hold of me. I found trouble and sorrow. He said, all I could find was trouble on my left and sorrow on my right but then he says then I called upon the name of the Lord oh Lord I beseech thee deliver my soul I came to tell somebody what you need to do in the middle of the place you're in is lift your voice and begin to call on God this morning I wish I had a church I know I'm preaching simple, uh, but it's that simple this morning. Uh, what you need to do uh, in the middle of your darkness, uh, in the middle of your confusion, uh, in the middle of your situation, uh, lift your voice uh, and call uh, on the Lord this morning. Bishop, I've been praying and nothing's changing. I sent a signal. Nothing happened. It might take 21 light year hours for your prayer to get where it needs to go. But I can assure you of one thing. God is listening. I came to preach to somebody who's been focused on the power of your prayer instead of the power of your God that receives the prayer. It's not about how good of a prayer you can pray. My God, I need an amen in the building. 
I came to tell somebody uh, it's not about how seasoned uh, and how anointed uh, and how articulate uh, and how good uh, you know how to pray a prayer. Uh, the power uh, is not in the transmitter. Uh, the power uh, is in the receiver. Uh, sometimes God just responds uh, to moanings uh, and groanings of the spirit uh, that cannot even be translated. Uh, God isn't concerned uh, about the articulation uh, of your prayer. Uh, if you'll just call uh, out to God, uh, God uh, is uh, listening. The prophet Jonah tried to run from God. You know what he was running from? He was running from the voice of God. He was running from the signal of the receiver. He goes to the other end of the country, finds a ship headed in the opposite direction of where God told him to go. And when he gets on that ship, he gets down in the bottom of that ship and he tries to hide himself amongst the cargo. Could I just preach to somebody for a moment in this place? You can run, but you can't hide. I said you can run, but you can't hide. Oh, I want to preach to somebody else in the building. Those men brought him on the ship. And when they finally figured out and the storm came, the storm arose. And they were trying to figure out how to handle. Can I just say this? That sometimes the storms you're in are storms that are sent by God to your life. The Bible says the Lord sent the storm. And he sent it with a mission. The purpose of the storm was to break the ship into pieces. In other words, the purpose of the storm was to break up Jonah's hiding place. Sometimes God will send storms into your life to destroy the hiding place that you've tried to put yourself in, running from the voice and the hand of God. When the men of the ship discovered what was happening, they went and woke him up. Listen to the revelation they had that he didn't even have. They said, hey, you, maybe you shouldn't be sleeping, and instead you should be praying. They had to remind a prophet of God, maybe you shouldn't be sleeping right now while this is happening. Maybe you should be praying to your God. And they started throwing all the cargo out of the ship, thinking that they could lighten the ship and, and somehow uh, save themselves uh, from the situation. 
But here was the real problem is they had the wrong person on the ship because the storm had nothing to do with them. The storm had everything to do with the person that was on the ship. Let me preach this for a moment. You better be careful the kind of people that you harbor in your circle. There are some people that God is after them. God is working to get their attention and you think you're helping them by giving them a ride. You think you're helping them by giving them shelter. You think you're helping them by letting them go along with you. And God said if you got the wrong person your ship will be the one that's destroyed. And it's not even your storm. It's somebody else's storm. You don't need to throw the cargo over the ship. You need to throw Jonah out of the ship. Oh I can't get a witness in the building. Sometimes you got to come to the revelation. I've got to throw Jonah overboard. And so here's the storm. And they throw Jonah into the vicissitudes of the waves. And Jonah still wouldn't pray. How much further do you got to go, Jonah, before you humble yourself and get right with God? And the Bible says that the Lord prepared a great fish. Now, there's a lot of humongous fish in the ocean, but I wonder what the fish that God prepared looked like. And the Bible says that fish came and swallowed him up. Now, if I had not yet prayed, I promise you, I promise you, the moment a huge mouth opened up below me and swallowed me into the belly of another animal, I'd be praying. I'd be praying. But the story demonstrates to us just how stubborn the will of man can be. All hell breaking loose and I still won't repent. All hell breaking loose and I still won't obey God. All hell breaking loose and I still won't go to the altar. I'll just stiffen up in my pew. All hell breaking loose and I won't respond to an altar call in a church service. All hell breaking loose and I still won't humble myself and get to an altar of repentance. And the fish swallows him. And it goes down into the deep of the ocean. And for three days and three nights, God allowed Jonah to stay alive in something that should have killed him just 
to get his attention. When all of a sudden, chapter two opens up with three words, and it was what God had been waiting for. Then Jonah prayed. All of that just to get Jonah in a posture that he would finally pray. Can I preach to somebody in the building? What is it going to take for God to get you in a position to surrender? What's it going to take for God to get you in a place where you'll finally respond to him? What is it going to take for God to get you in a place where you finally say, all right, God, enough is enough. It's quiet up in this church today. And Jonah begins to pray. And here is his prayer. He begins and says, I cried by reason of my affliction. Oh, I could preach a whole sermon right there. He said, I cried because God afflicted me. It took the affliction of God before I would pray. It took the, why do we wait for the affliction of God before we get right with him? When the Bible says that it's the goodness of the Lord that leads men to repentance, why do we wait until affliction comes? Why do we wait until all hell is breaking loose? Why are we waiting until everything is falling apart before we finally say, all right, I surrender. I'm going to pray. Now I'm going to pray. I cried by reason of my affliction. And he heard me. I don't know how, but he heard me. I came to preach to somebody. I don't care how long you've been disobeying God. I don't care how far you've gone. I don't care where you find yourself this morning. There is a God in heaven that when you finally come to yourself and you lift your voice and say, God, what have I done? God, how did I get here? God, what did I do? There is a God in heaven that can still hear your prayer from the bottom of the ocean, from the belly of a fish. He lifted his voice and God heard him. He said, out of the belly of hell cried I, and thou heardest my voice. For thou hadst cast me into the deep, in the midst of the seas, and the floods compassed me about all thy billows and thy waves passed over me. Then I said, listen, listen. He's cast into the mouth of the fish. The fish descends and the billows of waves cover like a watery grave and an endless pit. And he says, then I said, listen, I am cast out 
of thy sight. He got to a place where he said, God, you can't even see me. I'm so far away. God, I'm so far away that I've been cast completely out of your sight and you can't see me. You can't hear me. He goes on to say the waters compassed me about even to the soul and the deep, the depth closed me round about and the weeds were wrapped around my head and I went down to the bottom of the mountains and the earth with her bars was about me for I was in a prison on a life sentence yet thou hast brought up my life from corruption O Lord my God when my soul fainted within me I remember the Lord listen and my prayer came in unto thee into thine holy temple he paints the contrast of the deepest of depths so far away from God that I've been cast out of his presence. And the contrast is that God is sitting in the highest place, the furthest you can get from the lowest place, in his throne room, in the highest. And yet when I lifted up my voice, he said, somehow my prayer came in unto thee. Somehow from where I was, my prayer still made it into the throne room. Why? Because the power is not in the transmission but the power is in the receiver. God, I couldn't get my prayer out of the prison I was in, but somehow your power and your listening ear brought my prayer all the way into the holy temple. God, you were listening when I couldn't get to you. You came to where I was. Out of all of the sounds uh, being produced in the earth, uh, God heard the cry uh, of one lone man uh, that was beneath the sea. Jonah was lost uh, and buried uh, and forgotten, uh, but for the mercy of a God uh, that could hear uh, the cry uh, of a man in the depths of darkness. God was listening. I'm hurrying this morning. Late last night, as I pondered what God wanted to say today, God transported me to a setting of Scripture. Capernaum and Gadara separated by the Sea of Tiberias also known as the Sea of Galilee and as you read the scripture the Bible describes a man in Gadara 
It's the only reference we have geographically to this place, and its significance is noted here. There is a man who has been theologically nicknamed the demoniac of Gadara. He was possessed by a legion of demons. I don't know how far you have to get away from God to be possessed by demons. But that's where this man was. In one place, the Bible speaking of his testimony said that his friends came back and found him in his right mind. He had gone to a place where he was demon-possessed, and he was out of his mind. The Bible says that he cut himself. Self-mutilation. You study it, self-mutilation has its roots in people that are steeped and insecurity, which has its roots in fear, self-hate, cutting himself. And the Bible says that he kept breaking chains that people tried to put on him. People put chains on him because they were trying to keep him from hurting himself. And every time they would try to impose restrictions and guidelines that were designed not to keep him in bondage, they were designed to protect him. No man could chain him, the Bible says. He wouldn't, can I translate? He wouldn't listen to anything that anybody told him. He wouldn't receive instruction from anybody. He wouldn't receive correction from anybody. And day and night, here's what the Bible says. Here's what I want you to, to listen. The Bible says that day and night he cried in the tombs. Day and night, this demoniac was weeping and crying aloud. Nobody there, nobody to help him, nobody that could take care of him. He cried day and night. Press the pause button the other side of the sea in Capernaum Jesus is ministering and seemingly out of nowhere he turns on a dime in the middle of teaching and tells his disciples let us go to the other side without explanation without reason without planning, without strategy. He says, let us go to the other side. And they get on a boat. Can I tell you what was happening? Out of the hearing capability of any human being, on the other side of the sea, there was a cry that was coming from a man. And when nobody else could hear him, when nobody else knew what was going on, there was a God in 
Capernaum who could hear the cry of a demoniac and he turned and said we've got to get to the other side I came to preach to you that you serve a God that it doesn't matter what he's doing when he hears the cry of desperation he can hear you when nobody else can he can hear you when nobody else even knows the pain he can hear you when everybody else ignores you it's the only account when he finishes in Gadara he gets on the ship and immediately goes back to Capernaum there was only one reason he crossed the ocean and furthermore they get into the boat and as they cross the sea a tempest out of nowhere rises up but this isn't just any storm if you ever are out there and I, I've been to the Sea of Galilee I've been on a boat crossing from Capernaum to Gadara you would think it's strange how could such a tempest happen in a place like that and when the waves came up, Jesus speaks to the wind and he rebukes the wind. And you don't have to rebuke earthly elements. You don't rebuke water. You don't rebuke dirt. I'll tell you what it was. There was demonic forces that inhabited the earthly elements. What were they doing? They were trying to resist God from getting to that demoniac. Those demons that had dominion in Gadara could sense the encroaching presence of a mighty God that was coming across the water. And that storm represented a spiritual demonic resistance to the ministry of Jesus and the disciples. But when that storm rose up, God stepped to the bow of the boat and said, Peace, be still, because there is nothing that will stop your God from responding to the voice and the cry of his people. Music come. I'm... When he gets there, I don't know geographically where the exact spot was. But when Jesus lands, the scripture says that the man came running to him and bowed himself to where Jesus was because it doesn't matter what the level of attack is there is nothing that can stop you from getting into the presence of God who am I preaching to in this building no storm that you've been through can stop you from the presence of God no demonic attack can keep you from the presence of God 
despite the demons, uh, despite the storms, uh, despite his experience, uh, when he understood uh, that Jesus was there, uh, he broke free uh, and he ran uh, to where Jesus was. He realized at that moment, I couldn't get to Jesus. So Jesus got to me. I just wish I had somebody in the building uh, that could testify. Uh, I couldn't get to him, uh, but he came to where I was. Uh, I didn't have what I needed to get to where he was. Uh, but God, uh, I came to preach to somebody uh, that God will cross uh, all of heaven uh, to respond uh, to somebody's cry in this place. have the strength I didn't think I could make it Sister Manuska but he came to where I was and he falls down and he begins to worship Jesus somebody needs to hear me good this morning your worship is never authenticated in the good times. And your worship is never truly valued in the absence of tribulation. It is in the middle of the storm when all hell is breaking loose and yet you get up off the ground and you say, if I've got to crawl to that altar, I'm going to crawl. Whatever I have to do, it is then that your worship becomes valuable. It is then that your worship is authenticated. God, I'm not praising you. I'm not worshiping you for the good things that you do for me. But I'm going to worship you because of who you are. sing because of who you are I give you glory because of who you are I give you praise because of who you are I will lift my voice and say Lord I worship you because of who you are few years ago as we stand all over this building a few years ago I was riding in the car with First Lady her phone rang we both looked at the phone to see the caller ID and it was the phone number of a young lady who had been backslid for some time. This young lady not only was backslid, but she had slipped into the depravity 
drug addiction. And not only that, but she had got connected somehow to witchcraft and began dabbling in, in, in witchcraft. And when the phone rang, First Lady picked up the phone. She said, hello. And the young lady in a voice that sounded barely existent said, hi, Mama. That's what she called First Lady. She called her Mama. She said, hi, Mama. First Lady said, hey, honey, how are you? She said, Mama, I'm not in a good place. We knew she wasn't talking about geography, but her state of being. First Lady immediately began to tell her, honey, we've been praying for you. And honey, I just feel like God wants me to tell you it's not too late. She immediately began to reach and say, honey, if you'll just begin to pray even right where you are, God is listening and God is ready. And just as fast as the phone rang, she interrupted First Lady and said, bye, Mama. I gotta go and hung up the phone. They asked a question of the scientist. They said, for how long will we be able to communicate with the Voyager? The distance and speeds at which it's traveling. How, how much longer before we can't communicate any longer? The scientist said, well, our ability to communicate really is almost limitless. Almost limitless how far as long as we still can get a signal. He said the problem is with the nuclear power supply that's on the transmitter. With every day that passes, the power gets weaker and weaker and weaker and weaker. As long as there's something to send a signal. I came to preach to somebody in this building today that with every passing day, you have felt weaker and weaker and weaker. But I came to preach to you today that it's not too late this morning. I came to preach to you that it's not too late this morning. And I don't care what you're in the middle of. Uh, if you'll get up out of your pew uh, and run to this altar uh, and lift your voice, God is listening this morning. Uh, 
come on you've tried everything else uh, you've talked to everybody else uh, you've tried being a loner uh, you've tried just going into a shell uh, you've tried ignoring it uh, but I came to preach to you this morning uh, what you need to do is run to this come on that's it here they come uh, don't wait for me to give an altar call uh, you need to run to this altar uh, throw your hands in the air uh, as high as you can get them uh, and begin to lift your voice uh, come on uh, you said bishop I don't know how to pray uh, I don't even know what to pray uh, the power uh, is not in the transmitter uh, the power uh, is in the receiver uh, come on lift your voice lift your voice lift your voice in this place come on God is listening come on God is listening come on all over this house I don't come on all over this house I don't come on lift your voice and you'll come all the way he'll come all the way from the throne room of heaven to reach you he'll come all the way from the throne of heaven to hear your voice
There is no greater love